want to remind you before we get started the TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner of Purple Insider and the Blue Wire Network. TickPick should be your first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging service fees ever. to another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here, along with Jeremiah Searles, former Minnesota Viking for Tuesday morning left guard. And here's what I want to do, Jeremiah. The last two days have been airing of grievances on the podcast. I even named one of them the airing of grievances for all of you <laughs> Seinfeld fans out there. Uh, because, look, there's a lot to be unhappy about coming out of that loss to San Francisco, which was closer on the scoreboard than it was by a lot of other metrics. And then when you look at the PFF grades, you get the worst performance of the year from your quarterback, who was not under pressure almost at all, by the way. And we'll talk about that. So I think we got to play a game. Anytime I feel like it's getting a little dark over here, it's time to play a game. So are, yeah. are you ready to play some talk me into? Let's do it. I'm ready. The body is willing. Okay. All right. Uh, I'm going to start right out with this and we'll go back and forth. I can talk you into stuff. You can talk me into stuff. Yep. Yep. Um, Talk me into Vikings fans caring about this team making the seventh seed in the playoffs. I think Vikings fans, because strictly they just want to travel to a playoff game. I think Viking fans would just want to go to another one more game um, just to party it on in another city and that's strictly the main reason. I don't think it's to, hey, we're going to sneak in their back door, Eli Manning, the thing, and we're going to go all the way. But again, I was singing their praises last week. And again, and things have changed since we talked. Um, I mean, our entire starting defensive line did not play, and that's never going to be. At one point, I had to look on the depth chart who number 50 was because I wasn't entirely sure who I didn't was. know either. <laughs> I was like, I, I, don't... I, I cover the team, and I go to the practices, and I was like, also 73 yeah like, no idea who these people were Bruce Mia. yeah i was like did he make a position change <laughs> like can't, guard. can't play guards maybe you can play oh, wow. tackle um but no so i think it just strictly vikings fans would care for the sheer fact they get to travel to another playoff game and the more you can talk playoffs the more it keeps things interesting during the season so there's more things to talk about Okay, good job. I'll <laughs> just say good job. Good job because you did not go in the direction of, hey, maybe you could possibly – you went in the direction of you might be going to Tampa Bay, everyone. Fan experience, baby. January. Fan XP is what matters. It's warm down there. Uh, I think that's right. I think that's the best actual case because what we've gotten to is now fans sort of break into sections of people who think – Yes, there's a chance no matter what. Get into the playoffs and there's a chance. And you're not wrong because no, you're not. Uh, even last year, Tampa Bay was not the one seed. And, you know, they found the way. They had Tom Brady, so that's a slight difference. Uh, but it almost never happens if you're not the number one or two that you reach the Super Bowl. But, hey, you never know. Okay, all right. I'll, I'll buy that a little bit. Uh, and I'll buy a little bit. You could take a cool road trip and the season keeps going. Uh, the fear I think some Vikings fans have, though, is if you make the playoffs and you win a playoff game, then the Wilfs get real excited because you beat Arizona in the playoffs or you beat the, and they go, now, nah, man, they did go through a lot this year. And maybe Rick and Mike and Kirk all need to come back. 
right? That that would be the fear I think of a a lot of Vikings fans, right? Mm, mm. I so, I mean that's a fair fear. That that's a logical fear. But again, I'll have you you talk me into talk me into why you think they could win a playoff game. Oh yeah. Now this one's actually not that hard. A okay. playoff game being the key. A playoff. And you game. did not say many playoff. No, games. I said, said a, a playoff game. If they are the seventh seed, talk me into why they can weigh, win the playoff game. Uh, what's Justin Jefferson's middle name? So I can give his full <laughs> name. I'm gonna look it up. Justin Jefferson. I'm surprised I don't know this already. Let's see if we can get his wiki here, so I can say. Oh wait, does he not have a middle name? Some people don't. Some people don't. His Wikipedia does not list a middle name. So mm. I'm going to just call uh, Justin Jonathan Jefferson is the reason that they can win a playoff game. They could beat anybody on a given week. They have shown that throughout this season. And that is what probably drives Vikings fans to sheer madness is that they can. They are absolutely capable of this. Uh, they showed two weeks ago that when they push the ball down the field, when they give Jefferson opportunities, when the quarterback is on point, they can win football games against good teams. Green Bay is a really good football team. They kind of wiped the floor with Los Angeles despite not having most of their offensive line, their number one defensive lineman, their number one corner, and, and they still beat L.A. And the, here the Vikings beat them the week before. And they played this close with Arizona. And they played this close with Baltimore and lots of other teams. So on any given week, Kirk Cousins can get hot. And they can win a shootout. And they can have a game-winning drive and everything else. It's just that they can't do it week after week after week. So if you were having me talk you into multiple playoff wins, then I cannot do that. <laughs> now, let me just throw one right back at Let's you. Do it. Talk me into a single playoff win is somehow a good season. It's not. I can't talk you into that. That 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 is not. I think that for Vikings fans, the single playoff season might as well be the you might as well just went home at the end of the year, right? I I don't think that that is considered a win anymore. Some some organizations absolutely. I mean, when when we first got there, when I first got there in 2015, like going to the playoffs, beating we were going to supposed to beat Seattle, like that was gonna be a good season. Like that was gonna be a good like bounce back. But the standard and the bar since 2017 has been championship game, if not championship game, Super Bowl. And they've gotten, I mean, they beat the Saints, and then they lost. I mean, there's just tired of the first-round knockout. It's the same thing with, I mean, I'm going to go back to my Denver days when George Carl and Carmelo Anthony were there, and they just have this nice season, and they go get knocked out in the first round of the playoffs like three years in a row. Like, everyone got tired of it, and they fired the coach. Like, sometimes that's not that's not good enough for Vikings fans, and it's not good enough for the organization because Zimmer and them have proved that they're better. That being said, it's not always greener on the other side of the fence when you're like, ah, blow it all up, and then all of a sudden you're sitting there and you're not even making the playoffs, you're not even in the playoff talk. So it is a bit of a double-edged sword, but I will say with this regime, with this head coach, this quarterback, this roster that's built this way, a first round out is not a successful season. I cannot talk you into that. I think that in 2020 it actually would have been because they had to overhaul the entire defense. And then yeah, fight, right. fight back from a really tough start that was mostly driven by bad defense. Cousins didn't play particularly well, but uh, they were running out rookie cornerbacks, rookie defensive linemen. Barr and Hunter went out almost immediately last year, and they had to over, you know, just overhaul everybody. Right, they right, lost right, right. everybody after 2019. So if they had somehow turned it around in the second half of the season to the point where they beat Chicago and they made the postseason and then lost in the first round. I think we would have said 
okay, well, look, it's a transition year and you still made the playoffs out of a transition year. Now go build on that. But the fact that you're coming off a year where you go seven and nine and then and, and the win at the end is against Detroit. So two of the seven wins were against Detroit last year. And so you come into this year thinking we're going to spend all this money on the defensive side. We're going to restructure everybody's contract. And the internet is going to celebrate Rob Brzezinski, their cap guy. Oh my gracious. The cap is a myth, which <clears throat> I think this year is actually <laughs> evidence. It's actually evidence that it's not by the Negative. way, yes, because correct. you're playing Brashad Breland. Uh, that's why. So anyway, um, I agree with you. It's it's I I threw one at you that was impossible far too early in the game. Uh, that it really is impossible to talk you into just getting into the playoffs, being any type of success. Well, let me let me give you this one though. Uh, talk me into Vikings fans believing in the foundation of this thing and where it can go in the coming years, because I think this is actually a hard one. Look at what they had to do to put together this defense. If you don't change regimes, and I mean, especially the general manager, they're going to do this again. And the same thing is going to happen, right? Because all these guys are leaving who are on defense. And so they're going to have to go to free agency and try to get them all back. get, you know, these other people who are basically Mm -hmm. the same, and then they're going to do this again. And they're going to go for the, Oh, we rebuilt the defense. Look how good it is. Right. I mean, that's that's sort of the case for talk me into you don't want them to win in the playoffs. Right. I think the only gosh, that's a hard one that. So for this one, you have to look at, okay, who are the young core guys? Right. Whenever you talk about talk me into why this could be good in the future, you immediately have to look at all the guys around their rookie deals. Like That's the immediate future Mm -hmm. of this team the next four years. So you look at this defense specifically. So you got let's just kind of name them off here. You might have to help me with some of these, but you got Wanham. You got Armand Watts, you have Cam Dantzler, and I mean, I'm trying to think, James Lynch, my guy. Um, but you're not talking about guys that you really feel you could build around. Um, you When you have rookies that are breakout rookies, Justin Jefferson, I think even though Darisaw has his struggles, like he's shown he can be very good. You, you say, okay, we can build around those guys, young group core, and you, instead of saying, hey, we're just going to sign all these guys in free agencies, we build around our young players. The problem is, as I look at this defensive side of the ball, I don't see those building blocks. So if you were going to say, hey, talk me into why we should be good, well, we have to find vets that are willing to stay and take the the Anthony Barr pay cut, right? The, hey, we can't pay you as much as the New York Jets, but you love it here, right? Like, it's really cool, <laughs> yeah. and your friends are here, and sometimes that works, but that works because we were winning back then, and we're not winning now. And so the, the draw then becomes harder. And so I think that it, in order for me to say look good for the future, we have to find a way to start winning games here at the end of the year and feel like guys feel like they're making a difference and that they really do truly believe this place can win. And if that's the case, we're going to put a nice run here. We're going to go into the seventh seed. We're going to win a playoff game, and we're going to be really excited, and everyone's going to want to come back because they feel like we were just one thing away, right? I think that's the only way I could talk you into this defense, especially being better and good for the next coming years. So I have a core belief on the show when it comes to the draft that you really don't have any control over whether you succeed in the draft or not. Facts. Right. So the 2015 draft is unbelievable. The 2016 draft is terrible. Which was it? Are they genius or stupid? Right. It's it's neither. 
Um, but the problem is that the Vikings with the draft, because of the way they've handled their cap and spent their money. And like you said, gave big contracts to people like Anthony Barr. They've basically had to go to the gas station and buy a bunch of scratch off tickets and hit them in order to pay their mortgage. Like, right. I mean, that's, that's what all, that's what DJ Wanham is. Like that's a fourth mm. rounder who knows, right. But, but he's a scratch off ticket. He'll hit 10% of the time. Uh Oh, can't pay my mortgage because that <laughs> scratch off ticket only hit with Daniel Hunter and he's hurt and it didn't hit with all the other guys. That's the position that they've put themselves in. And I don't know an easy way out of that because I don't see too many guys where you could say, okay, that's the centerpiece. That's the future. Kendricks is great. Harrison Smith can still play the rest though. Who are we even talking about? I'm not even sure. No. I mean, Cam Bynum is kind of interesting, but like, I don't know. He played two games, you know, it's like then he said, you're not going to crown him after two games. So right. I, I don't know. Like that. I'm, I'm not, yeah, I can't even put him under the, Oh, this is the future. Cam Dantzler sits for a game and he starts tweeting stuff. And he took a swing at some guy yesterday, like not the brightest bulb in the box. I don't think so. Like, even though he, uh, has his moments as a decent corner. You can't just say like, oh, he's all set. He couldn't even beat Bashad Breland out for a job this year. And, and that's where you're looking at this defense going, this trend that's happening now, I think is exactly what happened to Atlanta. Don't you think a couple of years ago where mm. they had a good defense and they lost yeah. some players and then they went like, uh, now how do we solve this? And they never did. Yeah, when you and that's the thing too, like Super Bowl teams, championship teams, really teams that are in the top five statistically on offense or defense, teams pluck those teams. Like come free agency, teams want winners, teams want statistically good guys that have been there, done that, can teach that young core, right? When you're talking about building around a young core, I think about a team. Oh, I'm trying to think, maybe Dallas, like, right? Dallas has been kind of so so on the defensive side of the football. They go out there, they get Tank Lawrence, who's got like kind of they built around him, right? Then you got Randy Gregory, and then you sign, um, Van, you draft Vander Esch, kind of miss hit on him, and you just keep bringing pieces in until it all kind of fits. But overall, they had kind of that core nucleus versus you look at Vikings, all those young guys that built that defense and they built around are now old guys. Like, and it's weird to say, like, Kendricks is an old guy, but he is. He is. I mean, yep. he, he's not a young player anymore. He's an old veteran in this. Anthony Barr is an old veteran. And I think the more I look at the Vikings, that young team that was going, it's not that team anymore. They're an old football team. Like, they are. They're just an old football team, which isn't a bad thing. But when you talk about future, you, you really are uncertain with it. Because the older you get, you see guys getting hurt more often. Anthony Barr. You see guys that will get moved one-year deals. Xavier Woods. like, And all these things are just not congruent for year after year success. Very much like you said, like, like Atlanta did. And the problem is when that thing comes to the brick wall that it's headed towards, you're talking two, three years before it's back to what mm -hmm. it needs to be. And we are on a crash course for that brick wall, if not next year absolutely the year after if you really start looking at the way the numbers are going to add up for cap space and how much stuff we have to spend on this current roster which everyone's like oh, okay yeah we'll, we'll add pieces well you can't add pieces if you're already operating in the red it just doesn't work like that yeah and and think about like the contracts that they gave out to go mm -hmm. all in yep. and i think the rams yep. are showing you and the vikings have showed you that all in is really dangerous because it almost never works. <laughs> right? And it, it hasn't with this team. They go all in on Delvin cook. 
Now he's injured for the second time this year and has been ineffective most of the season. They went all in on Harrison Smith, who's had a fine year. I mean, he caught the ball when Jimmy G threw it right to him. He's been okay, but is he worth being the highest paid safety or one of the highest paid safeties next year? No, probably not. Uh, You know, they've just done this where they've taken these bad bets out and they haven't paid. And, and And this is the position that you end up being in as a defense when that happens. And now it also becomes harder to get players here because in 2018, you could go, Hey, Sheldon Richardson, you want to come to this defense, get a bunch of sacks, then get paid. And he's like, that's what I'm talking about. But now who wants to do that? Now you only get the guys that you overpay. You overpay Patrick Peterson, who's been fine, but not a difference maker. You overpay Delvin Tomlinson, who can only play like 50% of the snaps, if that. You you pay Michael Pierce because, oh, we're desperate to stop the run. But Pierce has sat out a whole year. And like you know what I mean? Like these things, they just, they're not like high percentage plays. And this is the position you've put yourself in. So you have a long way to go in order to fix this. The only answer is the offense has to drive it. And I think what we saw in San Francisco, Jeremiah is the offense can sometimes and can't other times. And that's been the story of the Kirk cousins era in Minnesota. And and when it can't, there's usually one common factor stud defensive line. I mean, that's usually the common factor when this offense gets derailed or this offense can't get itself up and going like the first half of this game was atrocious. I mean, I felt like I was watching, I mean, a bad college team play another bad college team. And then the second half was like Bedlam. It was like Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, just back and <laughs> forth. But the beginning part, I mean, I'm watching Nick Bosa have his way. I'm watching Mason Cole get pushed back in the backfield. I'm watching Ola Uda hold. I mean, I'm watching all this stuff, and I'm like, this is why this offense can't go. And yep. we talk about it at nauseum on this show, but it's such a huge thing. The offensive line, when faced against an elite defensive line which i would put san francisco's d line in the elite category it really hampers everything because now we talk about well we've been pushing the ball down the field well we had to get the ball out quick because kirk knew these guys were coming and i understand kirk wasn't under pressure a lot but we also hadn't seen the offense of the last two weeks this week we didn't see the big long shots we saw a lot of dump downs to cj ham dalvin cook madison like those were all game plan things because of how good this defensive line was so if you're going to rely on your offense you have to rely on the offensive line. And and so when you meet the perfect storm of defense is out a ton of pieces on the front, right? We're not going to be able to stop the run of this really good San Francisco run team. And we're going to kind of commit to the run because we have to, because we can't just throw the ball a hundred times. Like you're kind of setting yourself up for failure from the word go. But the problem is, like you said, I don't know how you fix that right now. Yeah. And I don't know how you fix that next year. I mean, you you can't just be like, well, we'll just scrape it all off and start over again. The way you have to try and fix it is the the coin flip, and what we said is the draft. Like you have to try and hit on some of these draft guys. But historically speaking, the offensive linemen that have gotten drafted for Minnesota Vikings it left some to be desired, right? <laughs> some, I mean, the fact yeah, that, the fact that Wyatt Davis is still not on the football field, still not on the football field, and only I watched him hold another what he had two. Last week, yesterday, one for uh, sure. on, only one, but only I'm one. Sure, there was more. But I mean, the fact that out of those two, three positions, Ezra Cleveland has been satisfactory. I think would be the word I yeah. would use. Yeah, I but think he was good against San Francisco. Yeah, he was satisfactory. I mean, he's not blowing the socks off people, but he's not making huge mistakes. But I mean, you're telling me between the center position and the right guard position, he can't beat out one of those two guys. 
Like, and that's the stuff for me that's just really frustrating to watch. And because they are betting on those guys, and so you talk about well, they're, they're just haven't addressed it. They kind of have, but it just hasn't panned out. And it's just, I don't know how you fix it, man. I don't know how in the middle of the season you look at this and go, I guess we just got to start signing dudes off the street. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how you fix that. So Oli Udo, his pass blocking grade is down to a forty four this oh, year, uh, which. Hold on, I'll just give you some context there in one second once my page is loads stat? here is on the internet. Stat? Are, are we talking about a stat? This is a stat, but it's not what's this stat mean oh. because you know what this stat is. <laughs> There's no debate about it. So his is a 44. Last year, Dakota Dozier's was a 36. Oh, what, that stat, what that stat means is those are pretty close. Yeah. And, and once again, here we are talking about one of the worst pass blocking offensive linemen in the league belonging to the Vikings because they made a bad bet. They played Dakota Dozier for an entire season. They played Oliudo for an entire season. And they drafted a guy who must be just like falling down instantly in practice. People ask me every day, where's Wyatt Davis? Why isn't he playing anything else? Well, look. Uh, where's Drew Samia would be my question. I mean, that was what everybody wanted to know. Like, why, why, why isn't Drew Samia playing over Pat Elfline or somebody else? And then he gets in and they go, oh, he doesn't know which way left and right are on screen passes. So that's a problem. And my guess is with Wyatt Davis, he probably can't play a full football game. That would be my guess for why he's inactive and why he has. That is mind blowing, dude. Like I, we talk about it all the time. Like I cannot fathom the idea of you being a professional athlete. Your only job is to not be fat as hell. Like that's your one job. Like show up. You're already gifted enough or else you wouldn't have gotten drafted. You wouldn't have had the chance. Just don't eat yourself out of a job. Like that's really simple. And the fact that he is that, if that's really the case, like that's just, I have no sympathy for that man. I've just, if anything, I have anger towards him because there's a billion other guys that would want that job, but because they didn't get drafted in the third, right? Was it the third? Third. Yeah. Because you're protected in the third because you already have so much investment into you up, up front with the signing bonus. They're not just going to send you on your way. Like, it's just ridiculous, man. Like, I get really upset about it, obviously, if you can't tell. And I don't want to say 100% sure that's it. That was definitely it in preseason. Because Mike Zimmer came out and straight said it. But, uh, and then I haven't looked to see, because we're not seeing the end of practice these days, mm. just the first like 15 minutes. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I don't know if he's running gassers at the end still, like this late into the season, but he was early in the year, which tells you the guy is out of shape. And if you're, if you can't get in shape by the end of training camp, I don't know how you, you don't practice. get in shape. Nope. Right. You can't yeah, make it in season. season. It's impossible. So that's been my guess. But also, like, you got to, know the playbook you have to give effort in practice like, that matters a lot to them mm-hmm. they don't Especially just go well oh, he was drafted All right i mean they they want to see you playing hard in practice and if you're getting things wrong if you're on the scout team and you're like f the scout team i mean that's a huge problem i'm sure uh you saw a lot of that yep like in your time because there's some guys who just think like what i should just be starting and I don't care about this. Uh, and that, that would be a huge problem too. So it can be a, a bunch of different things, but it's something like, yeah. they're not so stupid that they're just like, uh, I don't know. Let's play the guy with a 10 pass block grade yeah. this week because we don't like this guy that we drafted. Oh, they want to play the guy they drafted. They yeah. There's do. a, there's a disconnect somewhere. And when there's a disconnect, it's usually in my experience, it's either one physically you just aren't ready, which would be surprising to me if you got drafted in the third round. And I watched Wyatt Davis play. I cover the Big Ten. Like, yeah. he was really, really good at Ohio yeah. State. Yeah. And so physically, I don't understand that. 
But the second, like you touched on it, is mentally. I mean, college football offenses are ruining the development of young offensive linemen with how stupidly simple the schemes are (laughs) and how stupidly simple you look over to some yak on the sideline who's like doing the YMCA and they're like, (laughs) oh, inside zone. Like it just like the development for that piece is so bad for offensive linemen that sometimes guys really have a hard time adjusting to that. Or the last piece is is just give a meter just isn't there. You know, and sometimes that's the sake. And again, I don't know the guy from Adam, but those are kind of the three things that I noticed when I got when I was in the NFL that really derailed guys. Yep. And a lot of that can be because of who they surround themselves in their camp with, who they like think they're talking to. And a lot of it can just be that they kind of just write their first year off like, oh, it's rookie year. I'll get better next year. And that's a dangerous game for a lot of people to play because very simply, you might not be there your second year. Hey everybody, Minnesota football is in full swing and there is no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet for Minnesota football tickets because TickPick, that is T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site. It's the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for football tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which allows them to guarantee the best prices on all of your tickets. Don't believe it if you can find better prices on the same seats on another site. TickPick will give you 110% of the difference now we've had lots of exciting games at u.s bank stadium this year there are still more to go including los angeles coming here it's always interesting when chicago comes to town so you're going to want to go to tickpick.com and check it out and make sure it's tickpick.com slash insider because you can save ten dollars on your first order for minnesota tickets that's tickpick.com slash insider you know, uh, I was also having this conversation with Mitchell Schwartz once about offensive lineman development and all that. And uh, he said that some guys basically tank their careers because they're afraid. And I'm not saying that's the case for Wyatt Davis, but just as we're going down this road, yeah. like you can get into in camp it. and you can face Michael Pearson, Delvin Tomlinson and people with that type of power and just be like, this ain't for me, man. And it, and he's a guy that's like kind of like he's a good talker and his dad is an actor. And so I think that maybe and, and I'm really getting too far into speculation here, but <laughs> hey, no one will tell us. Yeah, so this is what we do. It. When when I asked, I asked everybody about this a couple of weeks ago and it was, well, the key word is development, which means, OK, he's nowhere close. then, Right. If that's what you're saying. I, I gotcha. Stop talking about it is what you're saying to me as the coaching staff. But there are some guys who go out there in camp. They take a couple of hits. They see the power, the speed, the violence, the size, and they go, I don't think so. And, you know, after that, it's kind of like, well, they're going to hang. I'm, You know, they're going to keep me around, but I kind of don't really want to be out there playing in these type of situations. And that's okay. I mean, look, if you're not built for it, you're not built for it, but it is a thing that happens. And so when we go, he was drafted in third round. How is he not playing? Like all these things we're talking about, that's how he might not be playing. Yeah. And confidence plays such a huge role in offensive line play. I mean, you have to, you have to have the, the mental confidence every time the huddle is snapped, like I can beat this dude in front of me. Mm-hmm. Like you have to believe that. And I've seen dudes, Matt Khalil is a guy that I'll use an example. Everson Griffin lived rent free in Matt Khalil's head for the, every year he was there. Mm-hmm. And the thing was like, I watched Matt when he went to Carolina, turn into a different player because when you're playing against 
good players and Michael Pierce, Dalvin Tomlinson, those guys, like you can get your confidence so rattled and so shaken that it's almost damn near impossible to get back that year. And then you talk about you compound that on top of some off the field stuff that could very easily be just shattered, right? You're already, I mean, you got your head coach calling you fat. You're getting your butt beat by two defensive linemen. Like you could just be so far mentally in the tank that it's almost impossible to pull yourself out of. And I, I mean, I've seen players there. I, I don't think I've ever been there. I mean, there's been times where my confidence has been a little shaky, but like I've seen it completely ruin guys. And Matt Khalil being one of those guys that just couldn't, his whole set would change when he'd play Everson. And then by the time he got to the game, because he wasn't playing Everson, his set was so out of whack that it would just happen. And it happens to guys. And so maybe that's something too. If we want to play speculation game, man. Let's go. We can go all day as to why he's not. But at the end of the day, circling back, he's not. And we're talking about fixes. We're talking about holes in the dam, right? Well, the guard position, especially the right guard position right now, is a huge hole in the dam. And I don't know. Is Bradbury not back yet? Is he available yet? Or like, what's the deal there? They hinted last week at playing both Mason Cole and Garrett Bradbury Mm. with one of them potentially playing guard. Now, Mason Cole, on the whole, his numbers after yesterday are better than what Garrett Bradbury's have been. But uh, I mean, I'm not really willing to say, okay, he's definitely better. He's not not definitely better. However, one of them might be definitely better at guard. And I don't think that's Bradbury. I think that's probably Cole. Because Bradbury's never played guard in the pros, and it would be a classic move for the Vikings to be like, I know the answer now. <laughs> Let's move another guy positions. It's really worked T- times once with Joe Berger, and that's it. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if they galaxy brain their way into that, but that actually might make sense to move Mason Cole over to right guard. At very least, he'll just get beat and not grab the guy by the ankle. <laughs> Like oh you don't yeah that was that was a trouble um, but but if he plays right guard he may get fondled by Kirk Cousins um okay I this is actually I'm so glad you brought this up because <laughs> what, I've been you thought I've been, I wasn't you thought no, no, I wasn't gonna no, bring no, this up I bet because I, I I couldn't ask anybody else I could only ask someone who's played right guard I could yeah. not ask other reporters or anybody else I can only ask you this so. You got your tail in the air yep. and you're down and you yep. are focused. You know, you got to beat that guy. You're having yep. a tough game anyway. Like yep. you're dialed in and you feel a hand. <laughs> <laughs> not just a hand, my, not just a hand. He gave him the old ass slap. Like he does the centers. He gave him the old, like I'm here. So like the, the bam. And then slid the hands under and you could just like, you could almost see the panic. How did and he jump off sides? I, How I did Ole Udo not jump? I would have fully been like, what the hell, dude? Like, that would have been. I just love that Madison, like, ran up behind him. And was like, hey, no, no, no. Scoot over. Kirk, <laughs> one to the left. One to the left. Just, I think he, like, I, touched, I think he, like touched his hips like you would sort of guide your wife in through a door. <laughs> you know, your like, drunk wife. Your wife that's trying to walk through the door that says push and she's pulling. Like, that's like, no, no, honey, this way. Like. I couldn't believe it, dude. I I, wa- I probably watched that clip 400 times. I thought it was so funny. Like, he's running out there, and he just gives him the old side slap, the old, and then just right underneath, just right in the old, right in between the old tickler there. Uh, <laughs> I don't, Has the word taint ever been said on the show? Taint. Well, uh, now that's... he got his taint tickled yeah. by Kirk Cousins. Not something everyone could say. He's in just... a part of an elite group now of people that have had the old taint ticklers. 
and so people did suggest that maybe uh, Oli was sweaty uh, and he said, oh, that must be the right rear end. Uh, I look, I mean, it's a classic, of course, for cousins, but I couldn't wait to talk to you about what Oli Udo <laughs> must have been thinking. Why are you behind me touching me in that way? Yeah, I just I wish there could be a snapshot from like because you know he was in his stance and just like turned around real quick to like look up after it was all said and done. Like I wish there'd be a a snapshot of the moment that him and Kirk locked eyes. Like and like you know that like Kirk saw him and he saw Kirk and they both were like, "What? Why are we doing? What are you doing? Like what? Why are you doing here?" Why are you touching my butt? Like I was watching planes, trains, and automobiles. And there's a scene where John Candy and Steve Martin sleep in the same bed and they wake up and they realize it's like, they're snuggling with each other. That and they exactly, look at each other. Right. And they're like, that is the look that is oh the my look God. That those two gave each other. Like right. you just, you touched me there. And and Steve, Steve Martin's like, Oh, the bears this year. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, uh, that's probably like, they were, uh, you were gonna, I was letting you know to go right to block. Right. That's what I was. That's why I slapped your. What I really would want to know is like, what if he started barking out a cadence? What do you think Mason Cole would have done? You think he'd have been like, "Hey, hey, over here," (laughs) wave back, just gave him the old wave off, like you're over here. This butt, this dude. When he gave him the old ass slap, I was dying. Oh gosh, football is the funniest. (laughs) Like this is this is the unfortunate thing about your all twenty two being such a disaster this year. But like mess. There are so many funny things that you see on the tape. Like people just fall down or yep. like, you know, just. Dude, I used to send you some good ones. Yes. If yeah, I could get the all 22 to work, but I just, I can't handle it. Well, so... I've, I tried to get you logged in in the Netherlands, but we couldn't yeah, quite figure it right. out. Um, so anyway, uh, is there anything else you wanted to talk me into? <laughs> because I could just keep going with this. Like what Oli Udo was like the, if, if the, there was a bad, it was a bad broadcast. Like they just didn't have Horrible. a lot of camera, yeah, they camera angles, broadcast, everything else. If it was if it was a Sunday night game, they would have had a close up on oh. Oli Udo's face, dude. There would the have been that he grabs him. There would have been <laughs> slow motion on his eyes as they slowly widened as wide as possible, and then looked back at Kirk. <laughs> and there would have been the moment that Kirk's staring down at him, and like they would have had that 4K camera up there, just like the guy that's just, oh, dude. I wish there would have been so many more cameras. Oh, there's so many more. Um, it is, it is San Francisco is a, is a magical and uh beautiful city. So it was a beautiful moment for them, Yes, but not so well, much for the football team. Never forget your first man. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, buddy. Um, okay. I, I did have another one that I wanted you to talk oh, me please, into. It just will it. force us to move beyond this. That's fair. Uh, which is, can you talk me into the NFL continuing to replay questionable calls because I've run out of reasons to stop the game and have referees go over and look at a monitor if they're just going to make the wrong decision anyway. And then, you know, Adam Thielen was told, well, uh, if we had called it a catch, we would have upheld the catch, but we didn't call it a catch. So we're upholding it, not a catch. And if you're Adam Thielen, now he said, being polite Minnesotan that he is said, well, I guess I understand that. And maybe I would have done the same thing if I were the ref, but come on, no. I, it was a catch. It was clear to the entire nation. It should have been an easy overturn, uh, but I'm seeing this everywhere. Refereeing is like at an all time bad and it's for, it's for, it's really frustrating, but the replays are the most frustrating because you have this in place to correct bad calls. Then you made one and you didn't correct it. Well, why do we even have this? 
the other piece of it is why does it take 10 freaking minutes? Like I, I'm so tired of refs staring at that little monitor. Like what happened to the old days when there's the two minute clock where it's like, you had two minutes to get this right. Like, I feel like that would be like, all right, well, he, shit, he caught it. Let's move on. Like, I just don't understand the, it's almost like they are so scared to get it wrong yes. that they'd rather just be like, screw it, stick with the call in the field. Cause we can just call plausible deniability. Like whenever they just, they're like, eh, well, there just wasn't enough evidence. It's like, yes, there was, but they just don't want to be like the reason something happened or they just rather default. So they're not screwing their buddy. Right. I feel like a lot of the referees are like buddies and they're like, man, kind of screwed that call up. I got you. Like, I got you. Like, I got you. Call stands, not confirmed stands. Like, we'll, we'll get beers. You got my first round later. Like, I feel like there's a lot of that going on in the NFL, too. So, I can't, again, you're asking tough ones, man. I this can't is talk the to hard part about the game. You have to try. You have to try. I'm trying. But the problem is, I was victimized by it with the Husker game, too. We had two reviews right. back to back that took no less than 15 minutes total. And they got the first one wrong and they got the second one wrong, but they still worked out well. Like they like got the first one so badly wrong that they like looked over the second one and made the like call right, but it was wrong still. Like I just, <laughs> it's so dumb. Like I get so frustrated by it. And Scott Frost actually said it. He was standing there uh, when one of they were reviewing like the first touchdown that the tight end dropped in the end zone. At least I think he dropped. Um, they were Scott's like, you gotta call it right the first time because you idiots won't fix it. And I was like, Yeah, <laughs> that's perfect. Right. Yep. Do that. But again, I, I can't I have no love for referees. So folks, it's that time again where you're doing your online shopping for the holidays. And look, if you want free shipping, I can help you out with that. For all of your Minnesota sports inspired goods, use the promo code Purple Insider when you go to sodastick.com. That is S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com. You can get their North State beanie, their Adam Thielen autograph shirts, Marcus Felino fan club design for all of you hockey fans out there, and the one I always mention because it's the best one, the Randy Moss Disgusting Act. You can put that on a hoodie, shirt, or almost anything else. And plus, anything you want with skull on it, Soda Stick has it. Again, that's S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com. Perfect for gifts, and you can get that shipping free by using the code PURPLEINSIDER. Sam Ekstrom here, wondering if you're stuck on your company's injury report. In an unfortunate situation like that, it's good to have someone in your corner. That's where Kemet Sanford and Kramer Law can help you understand your rights under Minnesota's workers' compensation laws. There's enough uncertainty in our lives nowadays that the last thing you want is to feel helpless if you wind up in a bad situation after a workplace injury. Kemet, Sanford, and Kramer will fight for you if there's been a wrongfully denied work comp claim so you can get the benefits you deserve. If your claim's been accepted, they help with rehabilitation disputes, medical disputes, help you get a second opinion, and ensure you're getting all the benefits you're entitled to on an accepted claim. Kemet, Sanford, and Kramer will provide you a dedicated and experienced disability attorneys that have secured their clients tens of millions of dollars. Our good friends Mike, Pat, and Evan will handle all that messy legalese to and from the insurance company about your claim while you focus on what's important, your recovery. And there's no cost involved for reaching out to Kemet, Sanford, and Kramer. In fact, you don't pay a dime unless they successfully obtain your benefits. You get paid, then they get paid. It's that simple. The website is yourminnesotaworkcomplawyer.com. 
where you can find a phone number to get a free consultation. This is an attorney advertisement from Kemet Sanford and Kramer, your Minnesota work comp lawyer.com. Yeah, understandable. Uh, and, and here's the, the one thing that I'm just confused about. So there is a sky judge potential here. Now think about the amount of money that the NFL makes. They make so much money that they can be sued by an entire city and pay off that city. So there's never a discovery process. Almost $800 million. Just be like, here's some hush money. 800 million. There you go. And we all move on and nothing happens, but it would cost like 2 million bucks for some sky judges. And they're like, no, 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 no. Mm -mm. And how hard would it be? We've all learned to work from home over the last year, but we can't have two people in a booth who are watching the replay of every play sort of like live or whatever, really closely to be able to call down and say, Hey, that wasn't pass interference or that was pass interference. Can you correct it on the field or something? Because there were so many big calls in this game. And then in many games that have impacted games. And this is always the case, but it just like, now that you have the technology to fix it, why aren't you fixing it? Why are you being stubborn here and not adding an extra person who's watching the broadcast that we all see at home? So you on the field are doing a much worse job than I can do at home. Like that, I mean, that just for this league doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Just call Mike Pereira. Let's call in Mike Pereira, our rules expert. He can do it. Just hire that guy. I want to throw every rules expert in the ocean. They're the worst. Because, right? Every time it's like, yeah, well, they got the call wrong. And then you're like, well, what what do I do about that? (laughs) (laughs) My favorite is when they're so convinced. They're oh, so yes, convinced. Yes, yes. They're like, no, way you can return this. No, no chance. That's a catch. You so clearly <laughs> dropped it. This, this should be. I don't know what's taking so long. This is such an easy. And they come back like, calls change, catch first out, and they're just like, well, I don't know about that one. It's like, what? You're terrible at your job. You're like a weatherman. You're like a weatherman. You just sit there like it's. It might rain. I don't know. Nah, probably not. And then it's probably pouring not. outside. They're like, told you it was gonna rain. Like, or the best is when they come back and they're like. Well, I guess I kind of see what they're looking at there after they've just gone yes, on their soapbox right. about right. They how spend wrong. They 45 <laughs> seconds saying they're all wrong. And then they're like, oh, I guess I, yeah, you can't well, overturn I, that. I, I guess I, that makes sense. That makes sense. It's like, okay, get off my screen. What has this added? Uh, it's yeah. Anyway. Um, okay. Talk me into this one before I love to see it. Hate to see it. Yep. Talk, talk me into this one. Talk me into at some point you come on here and are excited about what the Vikings are going to do the next week. I will be excited for what the Vikings are going to do the next week when there are zero turnovers. They turned the ball over zero times. They went out there. They executed, didn't turn the ball over at all. We were plus two in the other turnover margin, so we took the ball away, whether sack fumbles and everything. And then we don't mm, – the big one here is for the D-line, they get negative plays. I think when our defensive line can show up consistently and get other teams off schedule, so they take the ball away, they get them off schedule, and we don't turn the ball away, mm-hmm. I will be happy to say, get the win say, okay, they'll be happy. I, I want to see them do it again next week. Like, I was happy last week. I was a yeah. big happy guy. Yeah, I, I, said the, I said the 49ers were going to win. I said Adam Thielen was going to have a big game. Like, I hit on a couple things. I was excited. But then I have to watch this, and then I have to watch it again, and I can only break so many keyboards. And I just, I don't know, like, it's not exciting to watch when you know, like, you could kind of tell from the word go, like, we're not, 
we're not up for this. Like we're, we're just not, we're outclassed in some of the, the front categories here. So for me to be excited, I need to see our defensive line getting back to dominating the line of scrimmage. And I need to see our offense not turn the football over. Yeah. It wasn't so much that they just lost the game. It was kind of how they lost and the final score didn't really tell the story. They barely touched the football. They, it was like 37 minutes for San Francisco. They turned it over twice where they hadn't been turning it over so much before. Um, they didn't take advantage of times they had a chance to put the dagger in them. And it's kind of same old story. And they, if they had stuck to, if it was 350 yards passing and it was Jefferson dominating and then, oh man, they kicked the game winning field goal. Then I would have come out of that game and said, that was actually a fine result mm-hmm. for you. It was really more about, oh no, Kirk had one of those games and you know that those games are coming. I'll say this. If they are ready to make the playoffs. They're in that playoff position, but all they need to lock in that playoff spot because the NFC is an atrocity is to beat green Bay in green Bay on January 2nd. And they go down there and it's important for green Bay. Let's just say, and they beat them down there with cousins, with offense, with big game. This matters. Then I would say, okay, maybe, like maybe, maybe there's something here to at least like go into the playoffs and go, you never know because they beat Green Bay twice and that's one of the best teams and they beat them at Lambeau and they can go anywhere and they can beat anyone. So I I don't think that's completely off the table. I'm convinced that's not completely off the table because of how up and down this team has been. Um, But that's the one for me, even beating the Rams, like, yeah, that would be a nice win for them, but the Rams are pretty flawed. If it was Green Bay at Green Bay, that would say something about your team and who you can still be the rest of this year, but they kind of failed the, the prove it test out in San Francisco. Um, love to see it. Hate to see it. I'm going to throw one at you real for real quick. First, uh, the Huskers set a record for the most times a team can lose by one score. You hate to see it, Jeremiah. You hate Dude, to see it. They can't hurt me anymore. <laughs> they, the Huskers can no longer hurt me this year. They have hurt me for a very long time this year and it's over. Yeah. First team ever to have nine losses by single digits ever in the history of college football. You hate to see it. You hate to see it. <laughs> Love to see it. How about our boy in Oklahoma just peacing out? Just saying, you know what? Thanks, Stoops. I know you left me the program as the future guy. I'm going to be here forever. But I didn't want to go to the SEC. And you guys forced this down my throat. So to off to sunny Southern California, I go. Recruits are just leaving by the handfuls. And Oklahoma is now in a free fall about to go get dragged in the SEC for the next three years. And I'm not mad about it. You know, Los Angeles is pretty nice. <laughs> it's not a terrible. Now, granted, USC's campus, not 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 the greatest place in the world, mm-hmm. surrounding mm-hmm. campus. But to live in California and make the kind of money you're making. Kyle sure. seems pretty cool, too. Yeah. Kyle seems pretty cool. Yeah, uh, it, right. If you are one of those super crazy rich people, of which there are just a couple in Los Angeles, yeah, uh, life's pretty decent for you. I saw someone tweet about like, well, he's not actually making that much more money because of the taxes. Like, he'll figure it out, man. <laughs> I think he'll be okay. He'll, he'll, he'll some find some way to deal with it. There'll be some charitable donations coming up here in December before the signing bonus goes through. Like, what, do you think he doesn't have an accountant? <laughs> I have an accountant. We are an S-corp now, baby. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, um, 
that even just the madness of college football, you hate to see a bunch of people who claimed they didn't have any money to give to college players who are now taking hundred million dollar contracts. I just can't imagine where the money could come from. Here's the gophers, by the way, cutting programs. Sorry, gymnasts. I know you were like the best in the universe, but PJ flex offensive line assistant needs $1 million. Hey, don't forget what about his seventh year extension. What the fuck is wrong with that? <laughs> like, dude, it's so true. It's so true. I mean, ninety-five million to old Mel Tucker. He's been there for a year, and he hit on every transfer. And then the ink wasn't even dry as he's just getting ran out of Columbus. It's unbelievable. It, what was it fifty-six to seven? Yes, it was like forty-eight nothing at halftime. They I'll were, do this for less, and I'll keep the gymnasts. <laughs> Oh, you hate to see college sports just period. Just, just it's just it's all over the map. It's all over the map. Um, love to see it. Rivalry weekend. I love it. It's my favorite college football weekend of the year. Mm-hmm. Always good games. Ohio State, Michigan was an excellent oh, gosh, football so game. Good. Oklahoma, yep. Oklahoma State, excellent football game. Michigan State, Penn State, great. Fo- I mean, just good football, college football games. As much as like some games are trash, rivalry weekend always comes through. Uh, so love to see that. Hate to see it. Hardly got to watch any football on Sunday because I had to hang Christmas lights because for whatever oh. reason, it is 70 degrees in December or the end of November here. And I hate it. Well, stuff break because I mean, I covered the game as always, but yes. I spent most of Saturday and Sunday just sitting and watching <laughs> football. So, yeah. Do you have Christmas lights up? I uh, no, there is not no. a Christmas light up. I don't have a tree. See? Not there yet. It's not even December. I've got plenty of time. The day after Thanksgiving is time to dress for Christmas. Mm, okay. I'm sure that that's absolutely your decision and no one else makes you do my that. Choice. Mm-hmm. My choice. Only my choice. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, I love my okay. wife. Okay. Well, I'm glad, <laughs> I'm glad we could do this uh, as always and have some fun with it. And I hope you were able to laugh along the way at thoughts of Ole Udo's confusion <laughs> because because uh it's gonna it's just you know it, there there are things that will happen as we go forward I can't tell you what they are but are, that are going to be really fascinating with this team and uh it might be in the form of a hot streak that we never saw coming mm. or it might be in the form of a cold streak we never saw coming um or it might just continue to be like this and <laughs> Crazy stuff happens each week, so we'll see. Uh, But we will have fun with it regardless, and I appreciate you for that, Jeremiah. So good stuff, and uh, we'll talk again next week. And I'm going to make you break down every play of the Lions game. (laughs) (laughs) Woo!